We've got a, a good, healthy 40 minutes for this Q&A time. I have a lot of cards and questions that have already been submitted, so I'm going to start there. Um, if, if we have some burning questions that you didn't write down, Jay's got a microphone to chase you down with. That's why I was giving that to you. Um, so, I get to do the What's that? We can be like, oh. get closer. Turn. Yeah. And then, can you put the card here so that way I yeah. can? Yeah, you bet. You bet. I. My you want to read it? That's fine. No, no, I don't want to read it. It's just I want to like, as I'm answering, I like forget what the answer is. <laughs> That's fine. That's good. <laughs> So some of these questions uh, are related to each other, so I'm not going to read every question. I've no. kind of tried to prioritize them relative them to what we've been talking about and then move out from there. Uh, but I know this kind of context opens up lots of questions, so we'll do our best to get through as many as possible. Uh, this one is for both Rachel and Christopher. How did your churches receive you uh, when your same-sex attractions uh were known initially, or were there only selected friends uh, or members of the church that are aware of that? Well, I came to Christ by myself and then went to church. And because I didn't grow up in a church background, I hadn't ever absorbed that it was a dangerous place to be. So I just told everybody all the time. Um, And it didn't seem to be a problem. Um, my parents were sort of like the cushion, because uh, I was in prison, uh, and I, of course, there's the church in prison, but um, anyway, there, there's a lot of discussions on that. Uh, it's it's not a real church, and it, there's a lot of issues, because um, anyway, I mean, I grew a lot there, but so when I got out of prison, I think that's always the test when you get out of prison of for, for a Christian, you know, whether that... Their, their faith is is really true or not. Um, so I got out of prison, and um, it was actually really wonderful because um, I had, uh, for those of you that have read my book, um, if you know, I think it's the last chapter. Um, I got out of prison. Um, actually, I was released from prison to go to halfway house, so actually my prison term wasn't actually over, but, but I got out of prison to go to the halfway house, and I got to stay home. My parents could pick me up. Um, and, um, they, 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 I pulled up and they had a yellow ribbon tied around the pine tree. We didn't have an oak tree. Um, you guys know that story. Uh, what's the name? Who, who wrote it? Tornado Orlando. Thank you. I knew it was, yeah. Uh, so, uh, actually, you know, this, you know, we, 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 the yellow ribbon is like representing military people coming home. That's not the story. It's, he was in prison for three years. I was in prison for three years. He was writing to his wife, uh, you know, will you accept me? And he was like, it's really emotional, sorry. And um, he was like, he said, um, if you accept me, then tie a ribbon around the yellow oak tree. So if I see it, then I'll stop on the bus. If not, I'm just going to keep going. You know, he just didn't want his feelings hurt. So he drove close, and he's like, I can't even look. And he asked the bus driver to tell him if there was anything there. And 
they all started clapping because there was like a hundred yellow ribbons. So we had one yellow ribbon on the oak tree. I opened the door and there was a hundred ribbons in our foyer. It was all, it was all signed by Christians that were praying for me. People, um, in, from the church, um, and their BSF group. And I know BSF meets here. Um, so anyway, I had a pretty amazing, I don't know if that's unusual, but, um, these people were just, they, they, um, invited me home, so I had a very, very positive experience. I know that's probably not always the case, but I had a really, really wonderful experience. I had a great church that we went to. So, yeah. Thanks. I've got a few questions related to school and college contexts. Um, so the first question, how do I, as a public school teacher, make students who identify as homosexual feel safe and accepted in my classroom while holding true to biblical doctrine? Hmm. Wonder if, uh, so I, I'm assuming that's public school or is that yeah, pub, yeah, public school specifically on that one. Um, I, you know, I, I think that we need to realize, first of all, our, our role, position as educator, especially in a public school position, uh, where we are, or, or you all are, are a bit limited uh, and, you know, you can't proselytize and, and be open about that. Um, but I think we just need to treat everyone the same, um, you, you know, not treat them differently or worse, but if anything, we want to maybe treat them a little bit better because a lot of times there is just uh, probably just pain and brokenness that they're dealing with, not just dealing with sexuality, but just try to be that uh, 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 an open ear to them, I think, uh, to hear kind of what they're going through and, and, and ask like open-ended questions, you know, what's going on in your life, how are you doing, and try to, try to spend one-on-one time to them to get one time with them to get to know them well. I'm just really thankful there are Christian teachers in the public school. Amen. That's great. I love that. Yeah. That's a good answer. So this is, um, I'm actually going to read to you a letter that one of our local public schools sent out to all of the families in their high school district. Um, I've changed the names to protect identities, but this is are a letter. Are they funny names? Or? I, I, no. I would, I'm not very creative okay. with uh, funny names, but um, so I just want to read it because this is a real letter received this past fall by one of our families in our church uh, from their public school. Yeah, uh, it's from a family uh, delivered on behalf of the public school. Um, Many of you are acquainted with one or both of our children, Brad and Erica, who will both be entering uh, high school this fall. You may not have known that Erica began to identify as a boy last summer and became progressively more certain of this identity over the course of 8th grade. Our former daughter has now taken on the name Eric, and will be attending high school this fall as a boy. He's also using male pronouns and requests that his fellow students do the same. We would like to thank the principal and assistant principal and the faculty in working hard uh, to make the school a safe and welcoming place for Eric and other students who who do not meet cultural norms. In recent years, the American media has been generating a great deal of information about transgender people. Much of this has been useful, but there's been some misinformation as well. What we understand from longtime trans friends, from professionals we have consulted, from Eric's own research, is that gender identity does not always line up with an individual's biological gender. Eric may be physiologically female, but he feels like a boy and presents himself as a boy. We've also learned that gender identity is innate. In other words, this is Eric's true self, which has not been caused in any way by family structure or other environmental factors. 
Eric found that trying to live as a girl was stressful, exhausting, and anxiety-producing. As his parents, we want to help our child be as happy and as healthy as possible. It's therefore important to us to support him in transitioning socially. The start of high school seemed like the ideal time for him to take this step. Note that transitioning socially is a separate issue for many medical interventions. You may have questions about transgender people, transgender teens, or trans teens in the schools. Here's some resources they give, some links. Eric has stated that he's glad to answer questions at school. He would, in fact, like classmates to come directly to him rather than doing their own research on the Internet since there's such a wealth of misinformation mixed with any useful material one might find there. For youth raised in our binary culture, the notion that one can change from one identity to another may be disconcerting or even frightening. We recognize that you may face some challenging discussions at home. We thank you in advance for modeling acceptance for your own child uh, and for fostering compassion within the student body as a whole. So it's a long letter, but it's a real letter. Um, What does a parent do with that kind of letter when it comes in the mail? I'm curious, um, was this sent? Sent, um, the parents wrote the letter and the school sent it that, okay, for so them. That, that's yeah. what I meant. The so it school came from the school, but written by the parents. Well, I mean, I, I think first. Well, Creation order, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> and then second, you clean up. That's right. um, so. I mean, obviously, I think we need to realize the reality of people who have these experiences, um, and, and we need to kind of address that before we sort of just pounce on the, um, and I always have to watch myself because there's a lot of things that I would have just um, wanted to address, uh, but these are real kids. They're not, um, in majority of the cases, these aren't like fabrications that like... Um, I mean, I don't know. There could be studies of where some are kind of like maybe doing it like because it's trendy. But I would say in most cases, it's uh, where they actually are are transitioning. Um, it's it's usually not. It is a real phenomenon that they're experiencing and is a real struggle. And, and I think as as Christians, we need to recognize that and and at least um, address that compassionately. Um, I kind of struggle with the protocol that, I don't know, I just, I, I guess I've never heard that, um, that that a parent can just send letters to any, I don't know, I just feel that's a little crazy. I don't know if that's, but that's where we Welcome are. Welcome to I mean, Massachusetts. I know, I mean, so, I mean, can you imagine if every parent, like, well, well, I want to say this, well, I want to say that, and I mean, what, so what's approved, I mean, because I don't know, I'm, I, but, um, a few things. Um, I, I think also we need to uh, realize the re- it's 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 real. Uh, but then some of the kind of when she talked about it's innate, uh, that's a really scientific, t- re- you know, statement that hasn't been um, proven yet. Yeah, so we, there's we, just some generally wrong information right, and in that, the And that's why I would say the school for them to put that, I mean, if they're going to have a letter, at least make it accurate. Um, 
she, it, it, this is also related to sexuality. Say, well, it's not, you know, caused by parenting or whatever, so therefore it's innate. I mean, that kind of seemed like the logic, and that's like, that's, it's not like, well, it's either innate or it's parenting. That's, that, uh, there was a talk that I thought I was doing, uh, but I, I just get all my talks mixed up, but uh, <laughs> where is it nature, nurture, and it's complex. It's both, um, I believe, and that lines up with actually our theology as well, but I don't know. There, there's, those are a few things, and I think we need to just recognize and, and hopefully be able to address uh, the reality of these kids in light of kind of all, all the stuff that they say. Question, because the question, the question is like, hey, I'm a parent. I received this letter. What do I do with this? Yeah. yeah. And I, do you want to, do you want to tackle that? Yeah. Yes. I guess. You will, <laughs> Pastor. Can you, can you my, see my, the confidence on my face? I, I do. I do. Um, my, my point is, as if, if, if. If you don't have any, if you're a parent and your kid goes to that school, right? If you have any relationship with those people, then there's no there's no triumphant march you need to make to go solve something. Yeah. As a parent, you have a decision to make whether your kid should be in that environment or not in that environment, and that's between your family. That's every individual family's prayerful, conscious choice they're making. If you have relationship, if your if your kid is in relationship with Eric, then as a parent, you need to be. You need to come to things like this. You need to read the books they're recommending. You need to figure some things out so you're able to sit with your kid, walk through this letter, and go, hey, what's real not real, real about this, and teach our children how to be compassionate to Eric, right, if, and, 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 and be Christian to them as they've been teaching us this morning how to be Christian. I, I think that's at least and, – and, and then as families begin to pray for those people so that we say, hey, Lord, however you want us to serve in these capacities, we will maybe – Maybe, maybe you never have an influence on in that person's life in the context of those four years of high school. Maybe you do, but Lord, you, you prepare us. Let us be diligent, equip ourselves, prepare us prayerfully, stuff like that. And then when the opportunity arises, let us be a faithful witness. Is that, I, I'm saying that out of what you all have taught me this weekend. Does that sound about the right direction to go if I'm a parent? Yeah, I think that considering this is within a community, I don't know how big like your high school is, but probably people know this student pretty well. So it is important for your high schooler to know what's true and what's false in the letter just so that they can understand the issue more broadly. For example, both Christian and non-Christian medical professionals have shown that 80% of youth who experience gender dysphoria will find that that dysphoria resolves on its own by the time that they reach adulthood. So there's a strong push right now to say, if my daughter feels like a son really early, I need to protect my child from all the stress of puberty and allow them to transition early, which is there is no scientific basis that says that an early transition is actually what's best for the child. Mm -hmm. The difficulty is it's almost impossible. So what about that 20% that it doesn't resolve naturally? The difficulty is you can't perfectly identify who's going to fall into that camp or not. So that's like one issue is even walking through with your student The school is saying this is the very best way, and the school is saying that the science has proven that this is innate. The studies so far have been incredibly small. Not like nationally. I mean, like there's this nothing in the science has really changed. It's a lot of the political language that's changed. So you want to educate yourself and your child about that reality. You also want to educate your child on how to approach the student, like Jay was saying in a very compassionate way. So, and you can also get in trouble at school for mis- misgendering 
which is an added layer. So there might be families that decide we don't know how to deal, and so we're going to look at a different schooling option. I think you should feel free to do that if it if you think it's too much, right? If you think it's too much to handle, there's but you would want to be able to communicate if you have a relationship with that family. You'd want to be able to communicate some things strongly in love that you're not leaving because you hate them or dislike them or that they're not a person or that they're lying about God. I mean, probably this family does not have a relationship with God at all. And so you have to consider fairly carefully what what the what the missional prospects are. This yeah. is so complicated. Yeah, the, uh, just real quick and then we'll, we'll go on. But uh, with the parents, like, I think... Whether your kid goes to private school or public school or Christian school, um, I think we need to, instead of thinking uh, what is, you know, too much too soon to talk to my kids about sexuality or, 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 or gender identity, I think the issue is I think we're doing too little too late. Um, so I'm, I'm in really encouraging parents to talk to their kids earlier and earlier. Again, kindergarten is really fair game for them to talk about sexuality. And and even if your kids go to Christian school, but anyway, there's 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 a few things. If you if how do I begin to talk? Kids have to understand some theological concepts. Sin, not just the sinful behavior, but also sin nature, and that we're all sinners, and also temptation that we're all tempted. Like these are things that our kids need to know. I mean, we tell them about sin, but like sin is doing bad things. Well. It's, we've got to talk more about that because we all have desire to sin. We all have temptation to sin. Talk about that. And that's kind of normal. We all have a sin nature, all of us, even unbelievers. So talk about that and then talk about grace, God's grace and the ability to not sin and how the, we need to extend grace to others. Because when we have that foundation of sin, temptation, sin nature, and God's grace and the grace that we're called to extend to others, I think it's much more it, it's easier then to kind of then talk about homosexuality or transgenderism yeah. or whatever. And because we do tend to always solve our problems by our flesh, it's mm. natural if you experience real gender dysphoria and you're hearing from everyone that the answer is to get a new name, get a new pronouns, live as the other sex, then you're going to want to search for an answer, but we we need answers from the Lord. That's a sound bite, right? It's more simple. It's more complicated than that, but... it's good. This is a related question. Yep, just a oh, quick follow-up. Yeah. Just a follow-up, and, and it's it's not necessarily to you guys because I don't know how you could have the answer either, but um, is it hateful to write back to questions, to say something like, I have no problem with my child taking history with Eric or geometry or chemistry or pick your favorite subject, English, whatever, but if my son is going to the same gym class and the community showers are mandatory. I mean, at least they were a million years ago when I went to high school. Gym teachers had wiffle ball bats, and if you didn't go, you felt the sting of the wiffle bat until you took a shower. <laughs> it, that probably doesn't happen as much now with all of the, you know, physical abuse that gets pushed back. But, yeah, we got beat up pretty good. Um, how do you deal with that? And just asking the question, can I ask that my son not be in Eric's gym class to avoid that issue, is Eric going to be the only one in that gym class at some point in time when the word gets out or some very small number of males in that class? The practical issues 
What bathroom is Eric going to use? How is that going to unfold? How does that go down? Just asking those questions aligns you as a certain perspective and potentially paints your child as a target of abuse. In this society, which if you are not open to that, you are hateful and intolerant, Homophobic is the perception, so on and so forth. So, just Have there been people, parents, that have... And this specific question, I don't, I don't know that uh, parents who've responded that way and said, "Hey, I, I don't know on this specific question what the." I think you know, typically speaking, the overwhelming. It's interesting in this specific um, case, this student is already transferred to another school because of the bullying they experienced after the transitioning and trying to go back into the school environment. So, despite how liberal and accepting. Massachusetts tries to paint itself to be, even in that context, um, the student, unfortunately. uh, Yeah, and we can't lose sight of that because in this case, this student, in order to make this this kind of transition worth it, I mean, is experiencing an intense amount of emotional pain. And so if we're not part of the, if we're not part of a voice that is trying to draw near if, of all things, like, we should be people who understand brokenness. Like, we should be well acquainted with our own brokenness and find empathy within ourselves to have compassion on that, right? So, like, like you were talking about in terms of rejecting bullying in the homosexuality category, like, we need to reject the bullying of these people. But as you were, I mean, I don't know. I, it strikes me as not an unreasonable solution if you have a son and if you could just, like, quietly talk to the administration, like, I, my son doesn't feel comfortable being in the shower with the trans student, not because he hates the trans student, but just, I mean. But also, it, it could be from the perspective of protection of that trans student. Yeah. Also, I mean, if, if this is a trans boy who's a girl boy, I mean, then the girl, uh, then trans boy is going to be smaller than the other boys and could be easily, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think maybe if you address it, I would, if it were me, and, and, and I knew about this, that this student had to leave, I would kind of address the administration. I would say, first of all, what are we doing about bullying? I mean, what, why does this kid feel so not safe? Because what if my son is getting, you know what I mean, bullying? So, I mean, address that with them, but then also say, you know, kind of this, the, the, the pro and con part, you know, the, both sides. The, we have to address both. So, but then what about, you know, if, you know, my son and all the other boys are in the showers and, and you know, if they all have to take showers, well, what if now this trans boy who... I'm. A, they don't do transition surgeries, at least from what I'm aware, until they're adults. So this person, at least physically, still has the female organs, even though that might be taking uh, hormone blockers or whatever. Um, but or no, well, I guess in that case it would not be hormone blockers. It, well, I don't. Yeah, it, it would be. be taking testosterone. I don't know if they take testosterone yeah, that, that no, at young. First, at the, the first stage is you take the estrogen blockers, yeah, the estrogen and then blockers, later. Yeah. Yeah, for, for, for boys, it would be uh, testosterone blockers. But anyway, I mean, just kind of saying, let's address the, because this is wrong, you know, showing that we, we're caring for this person. It's sad that that person had to leave. But also, what about the, the showering thing? I think that's reasonable to ask. I think so, too. Yeah, it's, it's a hard, you know, that hard line. But I like what you say about, you know, it's not just protecting our kids, which you have to do. Even if that makes you the bad guy, you, you, you've got to do that. But... How are we protecting this child as well? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really healthy. And even if we do everything perfectly, I mean, Jesus did everything perfectly and they killed him, you know? Yeah. So there's some yeah. level of we should, we should seek to do things 
with grace and truth yeah. and expect to be misunderstood. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, in places like the college campus, what are good ways mm-hmm. to respond to administrative leaders who didn't want to allow any type of discrimination to happen in religious groups? For example, a Christian ministry who doesn't allow students to be active in a same-sex relationship and in leadership at the same time. Yeah, let me read that. There's a lot going on. So what what are good days to respond who don't want? Well, I mean, so I work for Crew, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ, and like our that's your world. That's my world, <laughs> yeah. right? And we've got a team of lawyers to help us for these type of things yeah. that, it, when it, that happens. Tell them what campuses you've been on. Yeah, so, you know, so I was previously at Yale. Now I'm at Boston University at Emerson. I mean, this is very real because just recently there is a campus ministry called Christian Union that is, um, they're only at the Ivy Leagues in Stanford, and they were just recently put on a one-year probation at Harvard's campus because they asked a sophomore student who um, was acting in leadership. She was helping facilitate one of their Bible courses. Um, They asked her to step down from leadership when she um, told her group and told the leadership that she was in um, a same-sex relationship and that she felt at peace about it was going to continue to pursue it. And so it it conflicted with Harvard's non-discrimination policy. So, And they didn't kick her out. They just... They asked her to step down from leadership. Just leadership. Right, yeah. So it's not... And there is, so that's part of it, is that anybody can be a part of your group. Mm-hmm. I mean, we actually experience this a lot uh, in crew at places like BU because sometimes the only other people who aren't, like, partying out of their minds on Friday, even if they're not Christians, are, like, the Muslim kids or whatever. They just want a place oh. to go and hang out, right? So, like, we've got people who it's are involved. Crazy. We just did a, a service trip to Houston. We had atheists and Jews and a covered Muslim mm. girl with us. So, like, it's not... It is not atypical for decided non-believers to be with us. But part of what we do with the administration and what we're legally allowed to do is to say that leaders in our organization have to uphold our group identity. And part of our group identity are the, the statement of faith and the standard of ethics that are upheld. And so uh, in court, we have a pretty good leg to stand on, but it, things can get so things far. can get tr- so far, right? Things can get pretty tricky. I wouldn't be surprised if in 15 years we're not allowed to be officially on campuses anymore. Good. Um, also related to the college campus, um, you're looking for your point of view on this, both of you. Uh, what is the reason for so many Christian college campuses giving a platform for the, quote, gay Christians um, why are millennials lost on this issue? And that could be, I'm not sure exactly what is intended by that question because that can refer to a couple different yeah. categories. Yeah. Those who um, are affirming and uh, you know want to be able to practice same-sex relationships and be Christian. So that's one group, like the Matthew Vines and, and so on. But then I think that also can refer to uh, folks like Wesley Hill, where they're non-affirming, non-practicing, but they still under associate some of their identity with that unique struggle. They will call them, yeah, a and gay they, celibate Christian. Yeah, and so I'm not sure which one is intended by the question, so maybe speak briefly to both. Well, I think, so the, the second part of that question, right, is why are millennials so lost on this issue? And it's exactly because we haven't been shaping our children in a good theology of gender and sexuality from the beginning, 
So they don't know what to do. They only, they're catechized constantly, culturally, Mm -hmm. TV shows, their friends, all this stuff. They're not getting catechized in good theology. And so what feels natural to them is what they're going to go with. And some of this is because for the history of the church, in a way, we've been accidentally orthodox. Like we, plenty of us are just like, uh, like, we're naturally attracted people with the opposite sex. We naturally agree that male and female is the way that we're categorized. We haven't had to think about it or make a good apology for it. So it's just been accidental. And so when people and their stigma against it was like, oh, gay sex is icky or gay people are victimizers or there was weird things coming along that when, you know, grownups now finally met gay people and were like, oh, my gay neighbors are so kind and so nice. Again, it was like that hermeneutic of experience trumps everything. Like, oh, I have g- nice gay neighbors, therefore everything about them is fine. Mm-hmm. If th- that is our natural hermeneutic, then millennials are lost because that's what they have. That's their toolbox is part of it. Yeah. So uh, my, my doctoral research was specifically... Um, it was a qualitative study on reducing marginalization of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and same-sex attracted students at Christian colleges and universities. So I looked specifically at... Lovely long title. That's the uh, that you know, dissertation title. That's pure long. I, could, I, I was actually trying to... I tried to make it short, but it <laughs> didn't work. Um, and it was uh, really interesting. I mean, and the reason why I did that was because why am I trying to reduce marginalization for these students? Because... Many of these students are not willing to come open up about their struggles. And I know that the best place uh, for people to be working through issues of sexuality is not in the world, but in the body of Christ. But that's not really happening naturally or well right now. Um, But why is it that um, many of these Christian colleges um, are giving a platform? So the gay Christians... um, with the scare quotes, I think that means probably like the gay affirming Christians like the Matthew Vines and Justin Lees. Um, Well, I think one thing that parents, you need to realize, uh, not every Christian college is necessarily strongly Christian. Um, A lot of good schools, and, and I'm not saying this necessarily in a bad way because some Christian colleges, specifically they see it as a um, mission uh, to have unbelieving students come in. So they see it as a mission to expose these students to the Christian belief and hopefully that they will become Christians that way. So so don't think that, you know, sending your kid to a Christian uh, college or is, it's like, oh, good, they're going to be surrounded by Christians. Not necessarily, because actually, I would, yeah, just, just so look carefully at the Christian colleges. Um, there's, honestly, there's some Christian colleges that I, w- I wouldn't send my own kids there because um, it's full of liberalism, uh, not, in the, not in the political sense, but in uh, regard to, like, they don't even hold to, uh, I mean, many, many, many Christian colleges don't hold to inerrancy, uh, but they don't even hold to, like, uh, the atonement, or they don't even hold to, um, uh, you know, I mean, the list goes on, you know, the the exclusivity of the gospel. And um, so I would just look into those things. That's why some of these schools, uh, in their kind of passion to 
to have a wide net, um, I think, are giving, unfortunately, many of these. Because, because it just confuses. You know, if you send your, your Christian, your teen there, uh, then they're like, oh, well, then what is a Christian? I don't know. You know, whereas if you're on a college, a public school campus, uh, for you to be a Christian, I mean, you've got to you got to stand up, and yeah. you got to be bold. I mean, there's, I don't think there's, you know. So, like, being on a secular campus is a great place to grow in your yeah. faith because yeah. there's nowhere to fence it. Yeah. You're <laughs> that's, either that's in true. or you're out. Yeah. So. There's a lot of fence sitting at Don't be Christian afraid to send your campus. kids to be you. It's great. Yeah, there you go. Hey, hey, Brandon, last question. Last question? Yeah, because okay. we got we to. Uh, and, and if I didn't get to yours, I apologize. I can submit some of these to them and see if I get some email responses, depending on their time, for those we didn't get to. And, but. and we'll, we can stick around after, okay. too. Okay, sure. Um, so my sister is married to a man who calls himself fluid. He decides when he wants to be a woman and when he wants to be a man. He claims to be a Christian, but refuses to go to church, read his Bible or spend time in community with believers. My sister's a believer in walking with the Lord and is struggling with her marriage. She remains committed to him, but she's getting depressed over time. He does not want to divorce her. He's happy that she accepts him. What advice can I give her in this struggle? So uh, let me see if I'm just understanding this all right. So um, I'm assuming that that this that they were married before, before, yeah. and then maybe he revealed uh, that, uh, 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 yeah, came out as being fluid. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that term, that means like I would say that's gender fluid in that he's not identifying as male or female, um, and also can probably I don't know maybe not. Fluid can also mean regarding your sexuality in that I'm not identifying as gay or straight, but it's just it can it can move. Um, some people say, well, then isn't that bi? What, I don't, well, I don't, there's... Bi reinforces the binary. Yes, there you go. That's why. So, and, and that was the other thing in that letter, that the binary. Binary is now negative. It's a derogatory term. Um, so, I, I, I'm... And this might come to like our understandings of divorce and stuff. Um, because of the way I think we have to really hold true to the sanctity of marriage, and if we really believe that, I, I think we should not in, you know, counsel people to get divorced. I would not counsel that. Uh, but I don't think that means that they, could ne- that they can't separate. I just wouldn't say um, the divorce. I mean, I think there can be a difference. I mean, in the sense that... that you know, Paul talks about First Corinthians five. Uh, there needs to be some some consequence for some, for someone's sinful actions, um, not necessarily divorce, but you know, there's some separation. Um, and um, but I, I think that um, you know the, the issue really isn't that this this husband um, f- gender fluid individual is gender fluid and experiencing that, but I think the issue is uh, just his absence of vibrancy in his faith uh, in the Lord. Yeah, I would say that would be the primary issue to be discussing. If you're calling yourself a Christian, but you're not doing the, you're not connected to God's body, you're not connected to his word, Mm -hmm. then how is that, how is that a meaningful relationship with him? Like he has established the means of grace for us. And if we refuse those, then we have to question what our relationship to him really is. And so I think it would be appropriate for 
this wife or the community around them to discuss, like, if you, if you take the name of Christ, don't take it in vain. Like and I think walking through that, maybe, maybe there could be some resolution of the other things if you have clarity along, along yeah. that. So focusing on that, that gospel, um, his own spiritual well-being right. becomes the first issue, right. which, Lord willing, the Lord addresses that. Um, and, and even like parents, if you have children that say they're Christian and they're not really, but you can tell they're not really walking the Lord, instead of saying, hey, are you doing, you know, are you in God's word, God's word? I think you can do it kind of positively and ask, you know, hey, what is God teaching you this week? Um, not as a kind of that, but just, you know, sh- sharing about that. Yeah, if you're going to take the name, we're going to interact with you as Yeah, as, as if. Mm-hmm. And, and because I really believe if people are truly in God's word and the Holy Spirit is abiding in an individual, the Holy Spirit will do the work of conviction and convict them into repentance. Yeah. 